Set your phasers to sexy Ladies and gentlemen, to a special episode of True North Nerds. Yay! So this this special episode, we are going to be just reviewing the entire first season of Picard, which we will. I have thoughts, and I'm pretty sure everybody else does too. But as we sometimes do on this show, we bring on guests, and uh, we've mentioned this gentleman's name, or I have. A number of times. Uh, we have brought in Alex Kruger, who is a co-host of the Composers podcast, which is very good. And you've heard me recommend a couple times. He also happens to be a guy that I've known for like 20 plus years and probably the biggest Star Trek fan that I know. So uh, thanks for joining us, Alex. Enjoy. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm really excited to talk about this show because, like you said, I, I have a lot of really complicated feelings about it. Um, particularly given my, my my past with the franchise, which is pretty involved. so I understand completely. <laughs> this might be an interesting show. Um, for To recap, we did do a little bit of a review when the very first episode came out, and we all thought the first episode was pretty awesome. But how does it stand up now? So um, let's, uh, let's start with... Uh, who's first on my image list. Let's go with Kevin to start. What did you think of the show? I was very, very excited to watch every episode of this show. Uh, Some episodes gave me the feels really hard. Others didn't. The more I think about it, the more I realize there were some things that just didn't make sense. It had some real issues with pacing. It, It moved slowly, and yet plot points went by really fast. It's it was like they had too many ideas and not enough episodes to do them in. Uh, unlike other shows where they have too many episodes and not enough good ideas. All right. Uh, Jen, what did you think? I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really nice to uh, kind of do the throwback to the next generation, which is my favorite of the Star Trek's. Um I, I I did I know it was a bit of a fan service, but I did like that they put in some of the old characters too to just kind of keep the, keep it going. Um, and I kind of found I found the plot not overly confusing, but I liked that it was cohesive across the whole thing, and it wasn't like a monster of the week type of a thing. So overall, I really enjoyed it. All right, Ryan. Uh, yes, I'm pretty much in the same uh, thought as Jen here. Um, I. I guess I, I like that we got the short that teased the plot a little bit. You know, the that little, the what was it called, Kevin? The Short Treks, Children of Mars. That's the one. Uh, and that it kind of as much, you know, was it, it laid the groundwork. And that that's, was still part of the main story throughout. And, you know, that it did involve the Romulans and everything, you know, kind of worked out being, you know, that everything was connected in the end. Um, like Jen, I enjoyed the uh, the throwback, you know, seeing the old characters show up, you know, several nine coming along, uh, Hugh, um, Riker, all that. I would like to, you know, the fanboy in me wants to see more of that. I kind of wanted to know what happened to Jordy because yeah. uh, Kevin and I read the comic that was a prequel, um, and he was working on Mars building that fleet. So was he there during the attack? Is he alive? We don't know. Where's everybody else? But you know they got to give us. You know, it's Picard. It's not the next 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 generation. So we'll find out. I'm sure where all those people are eventually because I'm sure they all want a paycheck. You know they'll want to show up on the show too. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I enjoyed you mean it. I enjoyed some. They the... want to see their friends. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing, though. Though that, as we pointed out. Out of all the Star Trek shows, that's the cast that seems to actually like one another. <laughs> yes. So, 
And finally, Alex, what did you think of the show? I think it would be unfair of me to say that they were throwing a bunch of shit at the wall to see what would stick, because I think that would be I think that would be overreaching to say. Um, I was profoundly excited for this show when I discovered that it was going to happen. I actually I found out uh, I hadn't read anything. I had I had no spoilers whatsoever. I just happened to be watching Patrick Stewart's uh, appearance uh, in 2018 um, uh, at. Uh, uh, Vegas, uh, the Star Trek convention in Vegas. And when he came out and he was like, Captain Picard is back. I was sitting on a boat because um, it was the summer and I started openly weeping. Um, and <laughs> I and my, my, my fiance came upstairs. She's like, what happened? What's going on? And I was Who's like, dead? Captain Picard's coming back. She's like, Jesus, I thought someone died. So, <laughs> so you know, I, I was really excited. I've also... I take a lot of pride in not being a fanboy uh, in the sense that I try to re- remain at least a, a certain to a certain degree impartial and objective when I'm looking at something, especially like Star Trek, because I've always been found myself arguing weird stuff in this franchise. Like I was a, I was a big fan of what J.J. Abrams did with this with the franchise because I'm aware that it's a franchise and it's a TV show and it's an intellectual property. So I like it when they do new and interesting stuff. My problem with, with Picard is that I felt like they tried to do way too much in way too little time. And they, and it, as the, the result was a Jackson Pollock painting. It was, it was unfocused. It was all over the place. And, and there was way too much that they failed to wrap up way too much that they failed to explore in favor, I think, of trying to appease one of the most difficult fan bases in fandom to appease, which is Star Trek fans. You'll never find a more pedantic group of assholes than Star Trek fans. And I count myself as like an alpha Star Trek fan. So like <laughs> so like it's hard to it's hard to appease our people because we have very, very high standards and we, and we also live in a world where we've become used to the idea that the fandom can influence and shape the artist and what the art is just by complaining about it, which we've seen happen over and over in the last 10 years, not just Star Trek, but everywhere. So I feel like they, they fell over their own dicks a little bit when it came to that. And I just, I don't, I don't know. I still don't know a hundred percent how to feel about the first season because I, I'm also trying to bear in mind that the first season of TNG was regrettable uh, to say the least. Yeah. It's not very good. And that's the other thing is we've gotten really used to having very high expectations of shows. You know, you talk to a Star Trek fan like Jen, you mentioned you were a TNG fan growing up. Me too. Um, And we look back and we forgive a lot of like heinously bad material from those first couple of years. Oh yeah. Um, You only remember the good stuff. Oh, that it just dated and sexist and racist and it's awful. Some of it, but we forgave it because we weren't used to being instantly gratified all the time. And I think we're there now. So we're looking at Picard going, this show sucks. You know, second episode didn't hold my attention. It's like, give it some time. We used to do that. We used to have patience. I think we need that now. But I think I think part of that comes from pacing. And even though there were only 10 episodes in this show, it was broken into like three distinct parts. There was the first three episodes, which were all set up for the plot. Mm-hmm. And and then there were the last two episodes, which was like, holy shit, we've only got two episodes left. We need to wrap up this plot. And then there was five episodes sort of of aimless wandering in the middle. Um, and and it, it feels to me like either they could have tightened the story and made it less fewer episodes or taken their time more at the end to, to make it feel more satisfying. I, I think, I think, I mean, the focus of this story was data of all things. Like I didn't expect that that was what the show was going to be about. It was about aging and it was about data and, and Picard coming to his realizations about, about uh, his relationship with data and how he left things with data. And, and that wasn't anything that I saw coming with this show. And yet they set up that mystery very slowly. The character that we thought we were going to be following gets killed in the second episode. And all of a sudden she's got an identical twin sister. So I thought there were some nice moments. And if that slower pace had gone through the whole series, maybe, maybe I wouldn't feel as the way I do. Or if the whole thing had moved faster from the beginning, maybe I wouldn't feel the way I do, but it Mm -hmm. just felt like the pacing of the whole show was up and down and up and down. And while I do like the whole, 
it just doesn't hang together as well as I hoped it would. Especially for a serial. Yeah. I'm curious what parts you, or what plots you found uh, didn't get resolved, Alex. Um, well, I shouldn't say didn't get resolved. Uh, the, the first one that comes to my mind, and I, I'll, I'll try to make a point of talking, like I'll, I'll try to preface it by saying like in-universe or like in-production because I have things to say about both. In universe, I had a major problem with the idea that the head of Starfleet security was a double agent that they just kind of let go. That was my thing too. We were watching yeah. it. Like, Did you do there was a lot. These people? Well, yeah, like and and you know, Commodore O still so reviled throughout the Federation. Why would they let a half Romulan, half Vulcan be their head of security? Well, that's not without precedent. If you remember the episode "The Drumhead" from the Next Generation, where uh, crewman Simon Tarsus is accused um, by uh, the Vice Admiral, what's her name, Nora Sati, of being a double agent because his grandfather was Romulan. So it's it, they don't the Federation famously doesn't do background checks like that very much. <laughs> now you'd think that fucking Starfleet security would, but oh by the way, I'm so sorry. Like, I should have asked in advance. Am I allowed to curse on this show? Oh yeah. yeah okay. right. Fuck yeah, you can. <laughs> no, what you should have said, Ryan, was fuck no. <laughs> yeah, so, I, to Alex's point for me, it was like it wasn't so much that she had gotten that high, but somehow. After she had been found out, like immediately manages to get onto a Romulan warbird. Yeah, where did it was like, It just sort of seemed like it was. A, if we hadn't seen that character again, it wouldn't have even bothered me. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. we did not see, need to see her on the bridge of the of the lead warbird. Where the hell was Section Thirty One? That's their mandate. They're does they're there specifically to combat stuff like this. They should have. They're there. To they should have executed that. They should. She should have been taken out back, like old Yeller, phaser rifle to the back of the head. End of story. Or at the very least, they should have. They should have interrogated her. They should have done something. For all I can see, they just let her walk away, and then Riker let her walk away. And then Riker's um, like, "Just go." We, we with his with his there. fleet of identical cut and paste ships, he shows up, clearly having the upper hand, and he lets her leave. I, like, I didn't have a big problem. Everything. I didn't have as big a problem with Commodore O as I did with her her uh, assistant, who was called Rizzo when she was masquerading as a Federation officer, and and oh. uh, Narissa. Like Nar- she was oh, a terribly un. Yeah, the the, the the Romulan Lannisters. Yes, she was a pure Romulan. Like she was Romulan through and through. There was no half Vulcan anything. Like, how did she convince Starfleet to let her in? Or how did Commodore O uh, Well, it's easy to convince them to to let you in, because Starfleet wants to think the best of everybody. Exactly. And when you've already got a high up that's a spy, it's easy to get another spy in. Except synthetics. Well, yeah, because... And people with genetic modifications. Yes. They have real weird lines in the sand they like to draw, these people. Right. (laughs) So, like, uh, like, Narissa was a character that was... And I've and I've seen uh, Michael Shabon on Twitter has said yes. We had other plots for her. We had a whole background for her. We just cut it for the sake of time. Well, like you're making this show on your own terms. Why? Like why cut? She was an awful mustache twirling villain who yes. who <laughs> didn't. Yeah, who I hope we never see again after falling down that pit in a, yeah. in a cube. But you never know. Uh, I don't know. She I don't want to see her. She'll come back as a Borg. The other plot thread yeah. I feel that got left behind is Narek. They they left. Yeah, what the hell happened to him? He disappeared. <laughs> he came. He helped them save the day, and then they all left on on La Serena, and we never saw Narek again. Is he yeah. be- being held captive on the planet of is the synthetic? On the planet? I don't Wait. know. I, I it's a very good question to ask. The correct answer, I think, is who gives a shit? Because those two <laughs> characters, Narek and Narissa, were pointless. They were pointless characters that were there to create an artificial villain that we could point at and go, that's the bad guy. Because otherwise there wasn't really. Commodore O, kind of, but she was more in the background till the very end. It was, they had those two Romulan idiots running around having a weird, like, pseudo-incestuous relationship with one another, which I found very, very reminiscent of, like, latter-era Rick Berman Star Trek when they first brought Seven of Nine on and it was very clearly because she was a sex symbol. Yeah. Like it felt like they were artificially trying to titillate us, and I didn't like it. And yeah, to your point, the she was a mustache twirling Saturday morning cartoon villain that was very nearly ready to tie Seven of Nine to the train tracks or something. 
And then she got the exact end she deserved, which was a cliche hackneyed action movie. This is for Hugh. Get fucked. Come on. Better <laughs> writing, guys. This is for this is Star Trek. And I have a very liberal interpretation of what that means. Right. And I'm not a purist by any stretch of the imagination. But that was just that would have been bad writing in 24. You yeah. know? No, like so my take on the show is at the end of it, I was talking to Jen. And I think at the end of it, I liked the characters more than I liked the story. Like I really the, did the, like the, the crew that they the main, built around yeah. Picard. Yeah. Yeah. I really like those characters, and I'm very interested to see where those characters go. But the actual story of the show was kind of, like you said, like the it was like a half-baked loaf of bread or something. Like it, it looked mm-hmm. good on the outside, but on the inside, not quite done yet. Like just kind of yeah. gooey. But in, but in my opinion, oh sorry, I was gonna say in in my opinion, if you have a show with really good characters, it almost seems like the plot is not as is is uh, important as the mm-hmm. strength of the character. Like you either have a character driven show or a plot driven show, and I found personally that a lot of like my favorite uh, comics and my favorite books and my favorite TV shows, I, like I'll only read or watch them if there is a character that I like. So I really, mm-hmm. really like the character-driven side of things, and I like the crew, and I want to know where the crew's going. Except for I'm not a fan of Agnes. <laughs> oh, uh, Which I, I, I kind of like that character. I don't, it's she plays it weird. She feels like a Joss Whedon character. <laughs> like, because she has those moments where it's like, like uh, in the last episode, which is the one, of course, that's freshest in my mind, where she's like, oh, they're probably going to give this a name, like the Picard maneuver. Wait, that's already a thing. And I'm like, I, again, I have no problem with, like, not everybody has to talk the way Gene Roddenberry wanted them to talk. And I had no problem with the cursing and everything. But there was something about her portrayal of that character. She was way too flippy floppy for me. Like And, and, and quirky in that annoying mid-90s way yeah and in two like okay if they had done the flippy floppiness over 26 episodes that would have made a little more sense but it was almost like one episode i'm your friend the next episode i'm not your friend and then one episode i'm a murderer and the next episode i'm I'm, i feel bad about it and then the next episode we're all buddies again and then the next and it was just too much like they could have like stuck with something for a little bit longer than one or two episodes now the one thing that i think strengthens a a fan theory that i came up with is the worst the worst episode of the show and it was the one where uh picard has to put on the horrible french accent (laughs) (laughs) i love that i thought that was funny Brent, I hate to break this to you, but you are going opposite uh, confirmed fan theory. Like in, in Star Trek circles, that's considered the favorite episode of the series. I thought it was oh, funny. so my no, my theory is and has been for a while that Star Trek exists in a universe where the English conquered France during the War of the Roses. Hence why their French captain speaks with an English accent. And when he does a quote unquote French accent, it's absurd and cartoony. <laughs> and uh, like and being racist. <laughs> you, you, you've brought this up before, Brent. Yes. Uh, and I, I've always pointed out the fact that the rest of Picard's family was legit French. Like uh, Rene oh, and, 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 and his brother yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like his his buddy that wants him to go work at the bottom of the ocean and all that stuff. They're all like legit French. So what's the deal Cap- with Captain him? Pic- he's because he's Patrick adopted? Stewart. Because he's Patrick Stewart, and then eventually they just let him do whatever he wants. <laughs> he's the black sheep of the family, so instead of growing up with a French accent, of course, he would grow up with an English accent. Come on. He's got to be the contrarian of the family. Actually, he had to go off into that. space. Yeah, that's true. Actually, maybe he, that's maybe he just... It, it's entirely possible that he cultivated that accent, because we don't know where he went to school before Starfleet Academy, right? <laughs> so, like... Maybe he was one of those pricks that went to school in England and came back with an English accent. <laughs> yes. Oh, I knew a guy like He's that. He, he yeah, was a exactly. He had an English accent. <laughs> um, so I'll go around the, the table. So overall, I think we all liked aspects of it, and but not like it, like it was okay. It wasn't amazing, but hold some promise. I think would that be a fair sort of oh, yeah. overall review from us? Yeah, I would watch again. Season. Yeah, it's a study in unrealized ideas, and I'm willing to give them. I'm certainly willing to give them a chance in season two. Okay, so for this part of the show, 
let's go around the table and sort of what you think they should keep for the second season from from this season and what should they improve upon like if you if you could be the the head of cbs for a year what would you change to the show to in theory make second season a little bit better for for you uh start with jen oh um you know what see i don't know because when that the when it ended, I looked at you and I was like, so what's the second season going to be about? Because they kind of tied up all of the major plot lines neatly. Like the big alien thing that was being summoned got sucked back into wherever it came from. And, you know, Picard's now an android, which is weird. And, you know, everything is all resolved. It's good. It's done. So she's safe. You know, she knows who she is. Now they're on a ship in space and... So what happens next? I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Are Something they gonna with Guinan, like... apparently. Yeah, but I mean, are, are they going to go along the lines of, of previous Star Treks, where it's just like, well, now we're just going to go from planet to planet and solve problems, or are they going to come up with something new? I have no idea. Um, I really like the crew, so I'm happy to see them stay together for a little bit longer. Uh, I, Yeah, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do next. I'm interested to find out. Fair enough. Brian? I'm just trying to think of it. It's like you think about it. None of them are part of Starfleet. They're all former or never were. Um, if Starfleet's now going to be good again because they're letting the androids be androids and they got rid of the bad person that was part of them, uh, if they're going to be back to the Starfleet that Picard, want, you know, the, his ideal of Starfleet again, it's like okay, well. What are these guys doing then? What's what's their yeah, point? Exactly. What what's the point of them being all together and doing stuff? So I'm thinking they're going to be the, like the A team. They're going to be running around the galaxy. <laughs> they're going to pay the show you know, getting into trouble. Stripe down the side. Yes, you got to have a racing stripe. Um, getting into trouble, so, you know, and kind of I almost wonder if they'll pick up where Seven of Nine's Rangers left off. Because if there's sections of space that Starfleet, you know, because they've been taking care of their own, falling back in instead of exploring, it's going to take time before they reverse that and actually, and people trust Starfleet again. So I can totally see them being just out there as like a, you know, yeah, like Jen said, planet hopping and getting into some kind of trouble and we'll end up with a episode, a season long story. Where they're, you know, what are the Klingons up to? Yeah. Klingons weren't even mentioned at all this season. Maybe there's issues in the Empire. It's funny you mentioned that because when you said the A-Team, for some reason I pictured Mr. T as a Klingon. (laughs) Yep. That tracks. If they're all out of Star Trek and they're not, or out of Star Trek, if they're out of Starfleet and... They're they're like all the other Star Star Trek shows have basically well maybe not Discovery have basically been about them like uh, solving diplomatic things and you know they throw the weight of Starfleet around all the time but if they're not in Starfleet anymore what are they going to be doing <laughs> like they can't go and be like hello we we are going to grant your planet diplomatic immunity because once upon a time we all worked for this company. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alex so. I want to give Alex a little bit of forethought cred years and years and years ago before JJ Abrams got his hand on Star Trek. Alex pitched an idea similar to Picard, but without the, the characters that were involved, like doing an idea, like a show in the Star Trek universe, but not around Starfleet. And as I recall, it was kind of similar in terms of like, like a crew just getting into adventures and stuff like that. So you you saw it coming. You just didn't start on the right writing team. At the right Apparently, time. yeah. I, um, what would you like to What would you like to keep and change, and what What would you like to see in the future of the series? Um, I think. Well, first of all, I I'm torn about a number of things. I what they need to do more than anything else because I, I I read that Michael Chabon's leaving the series, which means it's going to go right back to Kurtzman and Goldsman, which has been. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A little bit, uh, a little bit rough in Star Trek circles. There's a lot of um, feelings about that particular production um, duo. 
what they really need to do is sit down and figure out what this show is. Because if they want to make it, because there's like, they have a lot of room to do stuff because they have Patrick Stewart and they have, you know, um, a, a couple of the, uh, of the, the actors really stood out, you know, Santiago Cabrera and Michelle Hurd, particularly for me. Um, and obviously Jerry Ryan just, just deserves her own show at this point. I'd watch that. Well, there's oh, yeah. rumors that she's getting like a spinoff show, but yeah, well, it seems be like years. anytime there's a popular character within Star Trek now, the, the rumors of them getting a spinoff show just like come out of the woodwork right away. Yeah. So, which I don't need. And I don't hate the idea of them showing us some of the galaxy um, that we that we didn't get to see in TNG. One of my favorite episodes of TNG is the is the two parter gambit, uh, where Picard has to go undercover on that on that pirate ship, and they all gotta like go into bars and shit looking for him. And I really really liked that, and I liked I liked the Maquis for the same reason because it was giving us an image of the galaxy that wasn't just like a, a monoculture planet that we visit once a week, uh, a monoculture race that is a continu- like a consistent adversary or or or, or ally. Um, or just Starfleet people. And I mean, I blame, and this is where I'm really going to get my, my, my dick in the dirt because they, I blame Gene Roddenberry's vision for that. Agreed. Um, the, the, the rigid evangelistic adherence to the idea that in the future, nobody has any fights. Everybody's happy. Everybody's, everybody can perfectly solve conflicts. That's, that is bullshit for a number of reasons. And it always has been. And deep space nine did a really good job of starting to show us other sides of, of the galaxy, but I'd love to see that at, at the same time, having Patrick Stewart as captain Picard, or well, Admiral Picard, whatever retired Admiral Picard, Jean-Luc JL, whatever you want to call him. Um, it, having him attached to this is going to mean that Star Trek fans, capital S, capital T, capital F are going to demand certain things of this show. They're going to want to see, What's going on with Jordy? And it's not that I don't, or what's going on with Worf. And apparently if you read the prequel novel, he's captain of the Enterprise, uh, which makes very little sense. But, you know, I'd like to see that, but I don't want to just have it be like a where are they now fucking behind the music special, like a VH1, yeah. you know. Um, and I feel like they run the risk of doing that. Uh, I think it would be good if we could get a bigger view of what's going on in the galaxy. The one thing, you know, that I really want to do, if they want to keep the Romulans as a, as a, as an antagonist, uh, which they seem to, um, at least in part, you know, the Commodore O sect of, of what remains of the empire. I I was having this conversation with my fiance when we were watching the show. And I really kind of hope that they follow this up. If you guys watch deep space nine, you know, that one of the most morally questionable things they ever tackled was Captain Sisko basically orchestrating the murder of a Romulan senator as a false flag operation to bring the Romulans into the war against the Dominion. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they never found out about that. And when I started watching this show, it didn't make any sense to me outside of the vaguely racist idea that Romulans are like uniformly um, suspicious and backstabbing and whatever it didn't make any sense why they would distrust starfleet to the point that they did where they were like no we want to like build this fleet and help you guys out and they're like fuck you and i was like why didn't they make that the reason that sometime after the hobus supernova it came out that senator vrenak was assassinated by somebody working for a starfleet captain maybe the starfleet captain of the war that would be a good reason for the romulans to hate fear and distrust the federation Mm. So I kind of hope that they give us I, I loved the look into Romulan culture that we got in this in this series, even though some of it was really like out of the blue. Um, the little details like, oh, every Romulan house has a fake front door. You know, that world building I loved. And I'd like to see more of that. I'd like to see them humanize the Romulans more or else lean into it, make them the antagonists, but give them a good Star Trek reason to be antagonists. <laughs> right. Because it can't yeah. just be they're evil. It has to be yeah. a reason, you know, the Borg are seeking perfection. The Klingons are a warrior race that don't understand how to do peace. You know, the Romulans are duplicitous, fine, but give them a good, rich story. Give them a real reason to be mad or a real reason to trust Picard again. I would love to see Picard, if they got to go planet to planet, I'd love to see them go around figuring out how to how to put civilization back together after 
30 years of just insanity because, you know, the the quadrant wasn't even recovering from the Dominion War by the time the Hobus supernova happened. And so the galaxy's got to be a disaster. And I don't hate the idea of them being troubleshooters as long as we get more than what we've gotten before. If that makes okay. any sense. What do you, and Kevin? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think um, this show was about damaged people. Every character, every member of the crew of La Serena was a damaged person. Um, Picard was... Picard was reveling in past mistakes. Rios was drowning in sorrow from the death of his captain. Rafi was mad at Picard for uh, for betraying her, and she was messed up and went Guilty on this about her crazy too. quest. Yeah, uh, crazy, uh, crazy. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, conspiracy theories. Conspiracy theories. Yeah. And Gerardi just really didn't know what she was in for. So we, we've started on the road to fixing these people. And so I want to see that continue. I think the major plot of this season that could be picked up, uh, I think it should involve the Borg. The Borg were more a plot device than an actual plot in this. Uh, why did the Romulans have that Borg cube? We don't know. They just did. And what's going to happen to all those Borg who crashed on that planet? I don't know. They're just there. Uh, like I, I thought that the Borg plot and the synthetic plot would merge more than it did. So I think we need to do something with the Borg. I like that the Borg weren't a faceless villain in this. In fact, they weren't villains at all. They were victims. Yeah. Uh, I like that. Uh, so what I want to see going forward in this show is more, is more, um, uh, a deeper look at at these characters because I really do like Rios and Rafi and uh, and I want to see Laris and Jabon come back. Picard's mm-hmm. major domos at his, at oh his yeah, vineyard. I love they them. were great. They characters. were amazing. There were great characters on this show, and I want to see them come back. And I want I, I'm thinking maybe one way we could do a, a plot arc uh, that would let us travel and uh, maybe uh, meet uh, some of our former friends is some kind of mystery like a like a Scooby-Doo type mystery where the crew of La Serena <laughs> travels around and is trying to figure out, and, and these people would have got away with it if it wasn't for that meddling 90-year-old Admiral. Uh, <laughs> Isn't that more like Murder, She Wrote at that point? Could be, I yes. would watch the Christ out of that. Yeah, she wrote Patrick in space? Stewart doing Murder, She Wrote as in Captain space? Picard in yeah. space? Come on. Yeah. I think well, here you go. My... So you have, you have Star, you know, Starfleet, now that they're you know, pro-Picard again, they they hire them. They they reach out and they're like, "Hey, there's something going on over here. We need you to look into this. We can't officially look into it. People don't trust us. They don't believe us. But you and your crew, well, you know, you kind of saved the day over here. We think yeah. you can do this. Can and you, you help?" Notice- at the end, the crew were all wearing communicators of the Fenris Rangers. So if they affiliate themselves with with Seven's group, I think that could work. Um, I also want to say that um, there was fan service in this series for sure, but it never felt forced. The episode no. with Rick Riker and Troy, I felt was it, it could have felt really really forced and it didn't it felt necessary it yeah. felt like it took those characters to slap john luke in the face and say buckle up bucko you, you you've made some mistakes and now you're going to fix them and it starts with this girl i okay. like that the yeah, only troy, thing i would that, i was like i bet she's been waiting a long time to smack him <laughs> she should have she should have slapped him when he didn't uh, he didn't uh, believe her about her space rape in episode in season two. <laughs> which, which time? <laughs> she has space raped so many times in that show. Not to make light of no, because it happens in the movies too. Because yeah. uh, well, I was particularly thinking about the episode uh, the child where mm-hmm. they have a staff meeting to see what Troy should do about her pregnancy. Like, yeah, that should be up to Troy, not anybody else. It yeah. should be. But to be fair, on uh, in that particular instance, I kind of got it because it's like, we don't know how this happened. And weird shit happens on this ship all the time. But nobody yeah, asked her. Actually, one of those nobody asked her. She was a lieutenant commander in Starfleet and nobody asked her what her opinion on the whole thing was. Just Did the men sitting around commander saying, at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't Beverly ask? Didn't she bring up that point? It's been a long time since it, I've seen that episode. It wasn't Beverly. It was Kate. It was who? Season two. It was Pulaski. Oh, it was Pulaski. That's right. So if that's one of the things that like somebody brought up online that I'm like, are you kidding? Is like, oh, Picard accepted the fact that he was an android pretty quickly. I'm like, 
the dude has seen some shit. <laughs> like this you, isn't new ground for him. He was Locutus. Star yeah. Trek. The amount of just plain weird shit that happens to the Enterprise, and like in theory, none of the other sh- starships have to deal yeah. with the crap that he's had to deal with. Being a robot, that's probably one of the least things in his head. It's like, oh, I'm breathing, I'm thinking, eh, it's a living. But I, I like how they kind of stopped everybody's fan theories like right at right away because they're like they nipped it in the bud they're like you don't have superpowers you're still gonna die you're still gonna age you're gonna be exactly as you were except for now you're in an android body we're never gonna talk about again moving on exactly. <laughs> that i hated kind of for the yeah, exact reason that you just said Me too. because it's like on, honestly it would have been a good death and the only reason that it wasn't is because they know that if they if they stamp a, a fucking Starfleet arrowhead on literally anything, all of us idiots will go and eat it up immediately. Yep. Um, you know, and I really do think that they just looked at it and went, we want to have a big poignant scene at the end. But that doesn't work in the modern era. That doesn't work in the era of social media because we all already knew they'd been renewed for a season two. And the, the show is literally called Picard. So yeah. when he died, it was like, okay, so so the question wasn't, oh, my God, what are they going to do now? The question was, okay, so how are they going to MacGuffin him back to life at the very exactly. last minute? Exactly. And it turned yeah. away a lot I liked the way they did it. I thought the scene with Data was fantastic. Oh, the um, scene with Data oh, yeah. was the closest to the Star Trek I know that that whole show got, honestly. Yeah. That scene with Data where they're talking at the end and he's talking about mortality and how he'd like Picard to just extinguish the last bit of it was tremendously moving. It was a beautiful send-off. It was the send-off that Brent and I went and saw Nemesis in theaters together when it <laughs> oh, came out. <laughs> we were living together at the time. This was like 20-odd years ago, and or however long, 20, close to. And, uh, close to that now. Yeah, and we came out going... That was a shitty end to that character. They did that because oh. he was getting old and fat. Oh, friend, you 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 didn't see it from my point of view. Okay, so to refresh everybody, because I, I have to tell this and story, funny. and this is this is one of the only times I'll be able to tell it on the podcast. Because <laughs> Alex, Alex here. and I went to see uh, <laughs> Star Trek. Because we're out of our group of friends, it's kind of like we're the only one at the time. At any rate, we're the only ones who really liked Star Trek. It was us, us two, and like one other guy, but he was in Kitchener, so we weren't going to go see it with him. And we go in and see it, and uh, the the previous Star Trek film had had been okay, but you know it's but this there's this point where uh, Data is going to run and jump across from one starship to another, and I just turned to Alex, and he's got this look on his face of like. Don't do it. Don't fucking do it. Don't do it. <laughs> and then when he does it, just that Alex like threw up his hands in the theater, like ah. <laughs> that was so. Oh, that movie had a lot of problems. Yeah, yes. but it, I own it, but I don't think I've watched it since I picked it up. I just picked it up so one day I can sit down and enjoy slash torture myself and watch torture all my, the Star you Trek. Mean torture your wife. <laughs> well, some of them are good. Um, a lot of them are good, and it's just that was a very bad decision. And the biggest poor decision that they made, I think, was rushing the death of, of Commander Data because he was – Picard and Data always had a very special relationship for a variety of reasons that are a little bit more in-depth and inside baseball than I really want to get into on this show. But, like, there's a lot of reasons why Picard and Data were linked, and – I liked the fact that he sacrificed himself to save Picard because it was a very data thing to do, but it was not the send off that that character deserved. Um, and I think that I think that the what the main triumph of Star Trek Picard is that they gave not just not just Data but but arguably Brent Spiner as well the send off that both of them deserved. Uh, and it also lets poor Brent Spiner off the hook for the rest of his life. He's never got to play this character again and sit for hours and hours in the makeup that's becoming more and more necessary for him to effectively play that yeah. role. I don't know it for a fact, but I have a feeling when they presented it to him, he probably hemmed and hawed over it a little bit and then told him about how his character would end. And then he went, oh, all right. I'm you pretty much, yeah, you pretty much nailed it, Brent. Uh, I watched an interview with Spiner that said more or less exactly that. 
Uh, okay, uh, because that that would as an actor, you know, he gets the every actor wants a good death scene, and that's at least once in their career, and that's a, that's a pretty solid one. It's so, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so I, for me, uh, I I just hope that they they work on the story a little bit more. I don't even I don't even care if they do it as an episodic show where it's like we get like one two episode arcs. Because that that can work, like if done well, or if they do an overarching story for the entire series, uh, or or season, like I should say, is either way I'd be good with it. But just like I, it kind of felt like they had the the start of this planned and the end of this planned, and Mm -hmm. the middle was kind of like had some stuff but weren't quite sure. And then like Kevin said, when they got to the end that they wanted to, they realized like, Oh, we've got like two episodes to wrap this all up. Shit. <laughs> and so it's I kind of hope they work on it a bit. Um, I'm not against the, a, a couple more, you know, fan service cameos really, if they serve a purpose. Agreed. It's, it's like, don't have them on for the sake of just, you know, boosting up downloads to, or stream subscriptions to the service we know that Guinan is going to appear at one point which intrigues me because that's a character they've never fully fleshed out one and i've always liked that character so i I love Guinan. and i think like and and honestly with whoopi goldberg's look now with the the gray white dreads that she's sporting i think it adds something to the you know the uh the the know-it-allness of the character just mm-hmm. like it, it, the, the wizened bartender like even it even adds a little bit more to that but i guess we'll see Do i we think know with the I, I think with the addition of guinan that leads more credence to my my theory that maybe the borg will be involved more next season huh? maybe yeah uh here's okay so i've got a one word this is my this is my only like fan servicey thing that i really 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 want because i think it would be effective Q. Uh, no, I don't want yeah, to see Q. I want to no, see Q so no, bad. I do not want to see Q. <laughs> Why don't you want to see Q, Kevin? Because again, it's the same kind of aging issue as they have with Brent Spiner. Like, uh, okay. Oh yeah, the Q's omnipotent. He can make himself right. look like anything. But I also feel like, like he breaks all the rules, right? And, and we've got these broken characters, and I don't want to. I don't want. I. I I, I think Q has served his purpose. Uh, I think we we overused Q in later seasons of Voyager. I think mm-hmm. I just I just I'm done with Q, and I don't think we can get a Q plot that can involve the whole crew. You can't, and I know it, and that's why I was like, this is just my like bullshit fanboy. This is about as fanboy as I'm going to allow myself to be. <laughs> I can the one way I could see it is if they do more the episodic version with second season is I could see doing an episode with Q just for the pure fact that like, you know, Picard's been at his vineyard for how many years now? Like, you know, a couple of decades 14. at this point. 14 years. All right. So he he hasn't been interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's interesting. And I could, I could, and that's why Q is always. Oh, that's great. Up. And is because, like, you know, is like, it, just have him show up and, like, with the idea of why? <laughs> it's like, it's a very weird thing for you to do this, John Luke. You're what, 90 something? And, like, and you're a robot now? <laughs> so, how you know? pissed do you think people would have been had. Q been the MacGuffin that saved Picard for season two. I will be honest with you. It came to my mind during that episode. I was like, how are they going to save him? What is like Q going to show up or something? And if they had done that, that would have been, ah, you would not be hearing from me today that I wanted to see Q. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been some uh... bullshit. (laughs) Like (laughs) even beyond what was already arguably bullshit. (laughs) How did you like the uh, the Romulan monks? I loved them. Hey, neat idea. I think yeah. Elnor is my favorite character. Or as I was calling him, Narwhal, because I couldn't remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, that was another... I love the characters in the show for the most part. And, and that one intrigues me. 
Um, the the one of the things that I at first thought I had a problem with, but Jen pointed out, like, no, actually, this is part for the court. The course is, you know, like, oh, I don't know, if Picard would like, you know, never visit these kids again, uh, this kid again, and stuff like that. And she's like, do you absolutely. remember what we said at the end of like almost every episode, every episode. of Exploration? And, and they, they never, never saw never him again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. It is par for the course. It's uh... same I, with Riker. There, there's. We were joking and like, you know, like at the, at the same time, Riker's got like how many illegitimate children yeah. floating? Because you know, in a very forward-thinking way, there wasn't anything with a hole that Riker didn't like to put it in. So, <laughs> male, female, non-gender, robot. Hologram didn't matter. Riker was Evil games master. Yeah. Oh yeah, you remember the episode where uh, where Riker's dick convinced a non-gendered alien that they were female? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, how about the fact episode. that Riker's dick allowed an alien to almost take over the entire ship with a video game? Yeah, that's true too. Riker yeah. just needs to stick to making pizza in the woods, yeah. man. Well, yes, funny corn pizza. Mm-mm, good. Uh, I all... still stick to my theory that the Enterprise is actually the USS fuck up, and that's yeah. where they stuck everybody. They they think about it. It's where everybody where they did were, they were either not competent at their job or they had severe HR issues, you know, like or or some reason or people just didn't want to deal with them. You know, Worf was there because he was a <laughs> was a Klingon, and just the other captains are like. No, I really just don't want to deal with this. Send him off the card. And Riker is an HR nightmare. Yeah. Just send him off the card. You know, it's just a the same with Data. An all-knowing robot who can figure out shit more before his captain can. Yeah, fuck it. Send him off the Picard. Picard's Let him like, deal with this I'll crap. take them all, but I want the best fucking ship you got. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it lends credence to why Jellico was so infuriated by everything that was going on in the Enterprise when he took over briefly. Exactly. So he's like, what kind of fucking ship are you running? Where Do you let your first officer talk to you like this? Like, like it, what is What are you doing? The deal <laughs> is, I get to keep the fancy ship if I don't tell HR what goes on. <laughs> what happens on the Enterprise stays on the Enterprise, and, and all the weird shit that happens, if at all possible, is just because it's the Enterprise. You, you just see the Starfleet Starfleet Command looking through the reports, and like uh, wormhole, new other universe. Ah, uh, uh, fucking Enterprise! This is going to take forever to type up, and it's not <laughs> even unique to Picard's Enterprise. No, it's a line about Kirk when the temporal uh, the temporal investigators come to Deep Space Nine for that episode where they do the trip. Oh, yeah, and they're like, we don't want to talk about Captain Kirk. We do not want to talk about Captain Kirk. That guy has caused more paperwork for us. (laughs) You know, so I can only assume that it's uh, it maybe maybe that's why uh, the what's that line uh, the the universe protects fools, children, and ships called Enterprise. (laughs) <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised so as we wrap up this mini episode uh, thank you Alex for joining us uh, oh this is a blast thank you so much and we, we will have you back for season 2 definitely but in the meantime uh, tell our listeners about your podcast because I really like it but maybe they haven't heard enough of it from me so uh, almost a year ago um, some old friends uh, of mine uh, uh, who are musically inclined uh, reached out to me because they wanted to do um uh, a podcast about about film scores uh, and the films that that they're in because they're both um, big uh, buffs, both musician types, and uh, they brought me on because they needed a third person, mostly for dynamics. But we've been doing that ever since. The podcast is called Composers. Um, basically, the the conceit of the podcast is that we uh, we get together uh, right now remotely, obviously, and uh, we talk about a movie score um, and we uh, we try to try to give it a rating. Uh, based on a completely arbitrary rating system, and we have some uh, some themed drinks and have some chats. Sometimes we have some guests. We're hoping to have uh, have Brent on sometime during this uh, the ongoing isolation and whatnot. And it's uh, it's a pretty good time. We've um, all together with uh, special episodes because sometimes we'll do interviews and stuff like that or one offs. We've done uh, 
about 75 to 80 episodes, and they're all available for free. Uh, you can find them on uh, composerspod.com, which is our website. And uh, we also have an association with um, the That Shelf Podcast Network here in Toronto, which is run by a, an old friend of ours. Uh, and you can find us there as well. So if you guys are interested, uh, we're going to be doing a lot more bonus content uh, in the next while because we've got the time. Um, and we've figured out our, our remote uh, our remote recording stuff. So, yeah, composers uh, composerspod.com. Check it out. Check it out I, I'd be surprised if anybody who is listening to any podcast right now hasn't heard the words bonus content yeah, no <laughs> shit, right? over the last three weeks. <laughs> But uh, thanks again, Alex. And we will be returning back with a regular episode next week. I don't know what we're doing yet, but we'll figure it out before then. (laughs) In the meantime, you can find us on all the podcast places and our website, truenorthnerds.com. So for Kevin, Ryan, uh, Jen, and uh, for this episode, Alex, this is Brent signing off. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. See ya. Live long and prosper. Set your phasers to sexy. You've been listening to the True North Nerds, recorded at the Utility Cupcake Research Kitchen. Reach the nerds on Twitter at True North Nerds, on Facebook under, surprise, True North Nerds, and you can reach them by email at truenorthnerds at gmail.com. If you like the opening theme song, it's called Set Your Phasers to Sexy by Kirby Crackle from the album Sounds Like You. Please go to kirbycracklemusic.com or look them up on iTunes and buy everything that they have made. You won't regret it. So set your phasers to sexy.